Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. But two weeks, we kicked off a series on the Holy Spirit, a collection of talks on the Holy Spirit, and Pastor JJ, just like he always does, brought a remarkable word on who the Holy Spirit is, the third person of the Trinity. We know that God is one in essence, but he's three in persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so we were breaking that down, that God is for us. How many know that God is for us? Isn't that good? Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. He came to this world to be with us, but he has sent his Holy Spirit to live inside of you as a helper, as a comforter, as a counselor, and as an advocate, and we're going to continue to break that down today. So if you're excited to get in the Word, why don't you take your Bibles out? We're going to open our Bibles to John chapter 15, John chapter 15, starting at verse 20 through 27. When you got it, you can shout, I got it. That's three. Everybody's still looking, but guess what? We got it on the screens for you. You're good. So you can even shout, I got it, because you see it on the screen. I got it. Awesome, awesome, awesome. We're going to read this together in John chapter 15, verse 20. Our real text is in John chapter 16, but just to give a little bit of a context of what we're reading in John 16, we want to start at 15, because Jesus is actually explaining to his disciples how to deal with relationships What's going on in the world? So he's preparing them. How many know that good leadership prepares you for what's next? How many hate surprises? Some people love surprises. I'm not a fan of surprises. They throw me off. They give me anxiety. Hello, somebody. Right? You're just like panic attack in three, two, one now. I didn't know what I was doing. But Jesus is such a good leader that he's preparing his disciples for what's next. So here we are in John chapter 15, verse 20. It says... Remember and continue to remember that I told you a servant is not greater than his master. Look to your neighbor and tell him you're great, but he's greater. He's greater. I'm sorry. He's greater. And that's what Jesus is saying. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But they will do all these hurtful things to you for my name's sake, because you bear my name and are identified with me. For they do not know that the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have had the guilt of their sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done among them the works attesting miracles, which no one else ever did, they would not have the guilt of their sin. But now the fact is that they have both seen these works and have hated me and continue to hate me and my father as well. But this is so that the world which has been written in the law would be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. We can close the Bible right there and just preach on that. How many of y'all have haters in your life? Hello, somebody. Haters, haters, haters. But how many know that haters are creators? They create opportunity for you. They create blessing for you. They can hate on you all you want, but you ain't going to participate because you know that God's got your back and he's for you. Hello, somebody. Haters are creators. 
But this is so that the word which has been written in the law would be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Verse 26. When the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify and bear witness about me. But you will testify also and be my witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. Now let's fast forward and let's jump to chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. If you didn't read your Bible this week, we're getting it all in right here with about 35 verses. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go away. For I go away. But the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the Holy Spirit to you to be in close fellowship with you. Verse 8. And he, when he comes, will convict the world about the guilt of sin and the need for a savior and about righteousness and about judgment, about sin and the true nature of it because they do not believe in me and my message. Verse 10, about righteousness, personal integrity, and godly character because I am going to my father and you will no longer see me. Verse 11, about judgment, the certainty of it because the ruler of the world, Satan, has been judged and condemned. Can you help me pray for this message? God, we thank you so much for allowing us to gather here in your house. Lord, we thank you for the rain. We thank you that rain is a blessing. It causes cultivation. It causes vegetation. It brings refreshment to the air. So we thank you for it, Lord God. We thank you for everyone that arrived here safely for a purpose and for a reason. And we thank you that you have a word for our lives today that is going to cultivate change within our hearts, change within our minds, and going to motivate our spirit man to continue to progress in the faith. We pray that we will see you, Jesus, because we know if we see your face, we will never be the same again. So we thank you. We love you. And we pray all this in your name. And everyone says, come on, everyone says, amen. Amen. How many of you guys are like me where you have incredible long-term memory? Anybody have incredible long-term memory where you can just remember? I mean, when you were a child and I'm not talking about like five years old. I'm not talking about seven years old. I'm talking about you can trace back all the way to when you were like two. Anybody there? I can do that. I remember the type of bottle I used to drink in my crib. How many remember that bottle that kids used to drink that had the hole in the middle and you would hold it in the middle? You know what I'm talking about? You can feel the warmth of the milk. You're like, that was a horrible illustration of me drinking milk, but just roll with me on that. But I remember, man, long-term family vacations, my short-term memory, mm-mm, not good. Not ask my wife. She's sitting right here. Man, my wife can tell me before coming home from work, babe, can you pick up some milk and can you pick up some water for us? And I, no lie, if this has happened to you, you know what it's about. Your wife tells you to buy milk or to buy water. You're like, babe, I got you. You're on your way home. You pull up in front of your home and you remember then that you forgot the milk or the water. And you're like, oh, snap, she gone get mad. And you literally got to reverse out and act like you didn't forget. Hello, somebody. You been there? Come on, come on, come on, come on. The truth will set us free today. Yes, God. I confess to you, my love, I have forgotten. But we have incredible long-term memory. I can, I can show you that we have incredible long-term memory with one hymn that everybody knows. You know this hymn. Listen to this hymn. In West Philadelphia, born and raised, on the playgrounds where I spent most of my days, 
when a couple of guys, they were up to no good, started making trouble in my neighborhood. Big ups, Will. We love you, sir. We thank you for changing our lives from 1990 to 1995. Will Smith, we love you, brother. But that's incredible. That's our long-term memory. That's 1990, y'all. 1990. We're in 2018, and we can quote that thing. What were the Bible references Pastor Liz used last week? Oh, about that. Let me. <laughs> I know she talked about seasoning something with the seasons, waiting in the seasons. My God, yes, Lord. But our short-term memory is not that great. That's why we have incredible uses of technology like our iPhones. How much, hello, somebody. If you wake up without an alarm every day, raise your hand. One, two. See, those are the people that know Jesus. <laughs> you have relationship, right? He's still working on me, boo. He's, I'm in the process of progress. I need an alarm to wake up every day. If I do not have that annoying, and you can't be setting up that sweet one like, oh, you'd be like, uh-uh, snooze that mug. I need that. Eh, eh, eh. How many of y'all, you got that one on your iPhone? Yes, I need that one to wake me up in the mornings. What has saved my marriage? Hello, married people. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Google Calendar, y'all. Google Calendar. Google Calendar will save your marriage. When you seem them bad boys, why? Because you guys can both be on the same page. You guys get reminders to let you know where you guys got to be. Oh, we got game night with them. I totally forgot, but I got that alert, though. We will be there. Yes, we will be there for game night. Thought I forgot. No, I didn't. Google Calendar saved my life. And I think God, in his infinite wisdom, knew that one of the ramifications for our sins would be memory loss. He knew that that would be an effect of sin. So what does he do? He says, I'm going to send you some help. I'm going to send you some alerts. I'm going to send someone to remind you of the things that you may forget. So we heard in chapter 16 of, of the book of John that he says, Jesus says this, Remember that you have the advantage. And I want to title that this sermon today, Remember that you have the advantage. You have the advantage. And what does that word advantage mean? Advantage simply means to have benefit, to have gain, and to have profit. How many are for benefits in life? Hello. How many are for gain? How many are for profit? I actually work in a bank. That's my everyday job. I'm a personal banker. And the first thing that people ask me once they sit in the seat right in front of me, what can your bank offer me with benefits? What type of rates do you guys have on your interest-bearing accounts? That's the first thing that they want to know. And I think that one of the advantages in having the Holy Spirit in our lives is that he convicts us. You see, some of us, when we heard that word conviction, we were like, all right, amen. Some of us, we were like, because if you're like me and you grew up in church all your life, you have a different tone to that word conviction. Like, do you feel convicted? Did that convict you? If you grew up in church, you know what that's like to have it with that sense of tone in it. But I believe 
that the actual tone that the Holy Spirit is giving us with the word conviction really means alignment. Alignment. You see, because no one drifts into doing good. You don't just end up at the gym and you're like, how did I get here to this stepmaster? Oh my gosh. I just ended up at church this morning. Look at God. Look at God. It's good. It's good. No, when we drift, we usually drift to the things that maybe are not the best beneficial for us. And the Bible says that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And we need to understand that and recognize that. So when the book of John says that the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of their sin, convict the righteous of the righteousness, and convict judgment upon the accuser who has been condemned, it's broken down in different ways. Because I don't know about you, but before I met Christ, what was natural for me was pursuing what was natural. And that was pursuing my sinful nature. That was natural to me. Why? Because I was born into sin. Come on, you got kids. You don't have to teach your kids how to lie. They just lie. You don't have to teach your kids not to touch that. They just say, oh, you told me not to touch that. I want to touch that. And one theologian puts it there. Hello, freedom in the house right now. And one theologian says this. He says, isn't it ironic that children, when they're born, they don't come out laughing. They come out crying because they say, where am I? Something's not right here. It was so much more comfortable in my mother's womb. Why does this feel uncomfortable? So before I met Christ, I felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit after pursuing what I wanted to pursue for so long. You finally get to a point and you say, this doesn't feel right anymore. This doesn't feel as pleasurable as it did before. Why do I feel like this is wrong? Because the Holy Spirit is drawing you to himself with conviction, with a nudge. And I would propose to you today, and I know that this is going to, this is going to shake some of our theology, but the Holy Spirit does not convict the believer of sin. How can the Holy Spirit convict you of something that Jesus totally paid for? If the Bible is true and Jesus made the full payment for our past, present, and future sins, that means all our sins are eradicated. Oh, that should free somebody right now. Your sins have been destroyed, believer. I want to show you with an illustration. I got my buddy here. Philly, where you at? Here's your sin file. Your past, your present, and your future sins. And Jesus says they are nullified. They are destroyed. They are garbage. Gone. Just like Phil. Gone. Forgotten. Phil ain't here no more. Just like your sins ain't here no more. It's gone. Isn't that awesome to know? But this is what the Holy Spirit does for those 
that have put their faith in Christ Jesus as their Lord. He convicts you of your righteousness. In other words, he doesn't convict you of what you did. He convicts you to say, that doesn't look like you. For anyone that is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That don't sound like you. Why you sound like that? Why are you going there? We don't go there no more. Why are you going there? He aligns you to your position in Christ. And your position in Christ is that you are forgiven. Your position in Christ is that you are loved. Your position in Christ is that his mercies are new every morning. Your position in Christ is that his grace is sufficient for you. On your worst day and on your best day, he is for you. The Holy Spirit reminds you of your alignment. And here's the beauty. If you felt disconnected, guess what? You can get connected again. Because the Holy Spirit will always tell you, come back home. Come back home. Oh, you've been off? Come back. You know you're always welcome here. Isn't it good to go to people's house where you're always welcome? Come on, come back here. Oh, you know you're always welcome here. We learn hospitality from Jesus. We learn how to be hospitable from the Holy Spirit because he says, come back home. But the voice of condemnation will always tell you you're not welcome here. The voice of condemnation will tell you you're not welcome in his presence. That's how you have to know how to distinguish the voice of the spirit and the voice of the accuser. The voice of the spirit will always say, come back. The accuser will always say, what are you doing here? You're not welcome here. That's why as a church, we always, every week, want to make sure that you feel at home. From the way that you're welcomed from the parking lot, to the way that you're greeted at the door, to the way that you're served with coffee, welcome home, y'all. Welcome to a place where his grace is here and his grace is for you. There's grace in this place. And if you've disconnected, the Bible tells us in John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5, if you want to go there with me, it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. I am the vine You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me, that is cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. Come on, have you ever been there where you've tried to do things without Jesus? Where you've tried to do things without the Holy Spirit? And it is tough, man. It is tiring. But once you get connected again, It doesn't matter what your circumstance is. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. You feel like life is literally flowing through your body. Can I tell you, and if I can just be honest and transparent, I was feeling that way a couple of weeks ago, man. I was feeling apathetic. I was feeling complacent. I was feeling like, okay, yeah, I go. Yeah, I serve. Yeah, me and my wife, we're good. 
but I didn't feel like that life was flowing in me. And you know what the Holy Spirit says? He says, come on, let's spend time together. Let's do a fast. Have you ever been there where he calls you to do something because he just wants you to reconnect again? And can I tell you today, man, I still have situations. I'm still going through a lot of stuff, but I have life going on in me. I feel alive in Christ. Why? Because I'm tapped into the vine again. He calls you to reconnect. So what? So what? You did wrong. You made a mistake. You said the wrong thing. You went to the wrong place. What you did, where you went, and what you said is not who you are. You are right. You did wrong. You said wrong. You went to the wrong place, but you still stand right because of the Holy Spirit that is within you. I love the scripture that tells us that even in John chapter 15, verses 26 through 27, look at this with me. John chapter 15, verses 26 through 27. But when the helper, the comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify and bear witness about me. How many love testimonies, man? Just hearing people's testimonies. You're like, man, I just want to hear your story. Just share with me your story. What did Jesus do in your life? Well, yesterday was a different day for me because yesterday I had to get my car service at Holler Honda, Holler at Holler Honda. (laughs) Saw what I did there? Okay. But I was there getting my car service and I, I was like, okay, while I wait to get my car service, I'll get away. I'll bring my Bible. I'll bring my notebook and I'll prepare for the message. Well, I literally was intentional. And I says, okay, do you guys have a waiting room where I can just sit? And he's like, yeah, we got one downstairs and we got one upstairs that no one goes up to. I'm like, that's the one I want to go to. Thank you, sir. No distractions. Yes, God. So I went up there and I literally sat in a corner. I sat in a corner all by myself. No one was in there. And I sat in a corner, I had my book, I had my Bible, and I was preparing, and I was just studying and making some alter, alterations to the message. And as I'm sitting there, this gentleman comes and sits right next to me. This room is huge, y'all. <laughs> Forty chairs up in that place, man. This brother sits right here. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. I want to be like, do you not see that I'm preparing a word for God's people? Please, sir. Please. And I sat there, and this guy literally sees the book that's on the table, and he says, oh, you like that author? I'm like, yeah, man. He's actually one of my favorite communicators. He's like, you know such and such author doesn't like him, right? I was like, oh, this is going grim really quick. Here we go, Holy Spirit. I need you right now. Help me, Lord. And I'm like, yeah, I'm aware of that. I kind of heard something that that author wrote a book and he didn't like such and such person or whatever. And we just began to talk. And right there, I felt the Holy Spirit say, listen to him. Listen to him. So I just began to ask him questions. I was like, so, man, where are you from? Oh, so what church do you go to? He started telling me. And then he started telling me that 
He was in prison for 10 years. And he met Jesus in prison. And he started telling me what Jesus did in his life. And he has a passion to cook. And he wants to go to culinary school. And he just began to share his testimony. And what started off so grim began to edify my spirit because I chose to shut up and just listen. Testimonies encourage us. Testimonies realign our perspective. And I love that the Bible says in John chapter 15 that the Holy Spirit testifies of who Jesus is. If you've forgotten... If you've gone through some memory loss, the Holy Spirit is there to remind you. It's testimony time. Can I remind you where Jesus has taken you from? Can I remind you what he did for you two months ago in your marriage? Can I remind you how his grace is sufficient for your need right now? Can I remind you if he showed up in your finances five months ago, what makes you think he's not going to show up right now? Can I remind you if he saved you from that addiction, what makes you think he's not going to get you through this addiction? Sometimes you just got to listen to the Holy Spirit that testifies of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is always going to remind you who you are. And you know how the Holy Spirit's going to remind you? He's going to say, you are the righteousness of Christ. You are forgiven. You are chosen. You are loved. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are a masterpiece. You are beautiful. And I'm talking to the men when I say that you are beautiful because I know what it is to battle with insecurities for so many years and feel so ugly. But the Holy Spirit says, you are beautiful, sir. You are beautiful, ma'am. You are loved. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just tell you who you are. He tells you who you're not. You are not condemned. You are not defined by the, the faulty marriage that you had. You are not defined by the abortion that you had. You are not defined by the addiction that you had. You are not beneath, but you are above. You stand in a position, and in that position, you stand forgiven. And if you get tired of standing, guess what? The Bible says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You have credibility in Jesus. Come on, have you ever been out with someone? And I'm not that cool, personally. I'm not. But have you ever hung out with someone that's really cool, and they got like VIP access, though? Like people just say, oh, like, oh, mister, you're here. Come on in. And you just so happen, you're like, yeah, that's right. I'm with him. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you, Lord. That happened to me at a magic game one time. I brought us to the Mercedes Benz seats. I was like, man, if it wasn't for this brother right here, I'd be up there like this. Father God, thank, thank you, Jesus. I am with you because who I'm with gives me the credibility in my life. It's not credibility on my own merit. It's not credibility on my own performance. It's not credibility on my own works. It's credibility because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I am seated with him in heavenly places and I have positions. But I only got a part-time job at a retail store. You have position in Christ. But man, I'm just like struggling to work this nine to five. You have position in Christ. You have position and you have purpose. And the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of that can I remind you that you have the advantage? And I want to illustrate something to you. So I'm going to ask Charlie to come out. Charlie's going to help me illustrate it. Seneca, bro, can you help me out, man? Can you help me illustrate something? You're you're a big muscle man here. What I lack in my life. 
But I'm a big basketball fan, y'all. I love basketball. Side note, I'm just saying, I think it's going to be Boston and Golden State. And I get to say that because I have the microphone and you don't. So anyways, (laughs) but that's what I think. But in basketball, there's something called mouse in the house. And mouse in the house is when the person on offense thinks that his defender is too smart, too small to guard him, so he posts me. He's posting me. Oh, you small. You ain't nothing. You ain't got nothing. He's just talking trash. Say mouse in the house. Mouse in the house. Mouse in the house, right? <laughs> this is a mouse in the house. But guess what? I think this is the same way we find ourselves in our Christian walk sometimes. We forget the position that we have in Christ, and instead of being on the defense, we need to be on the offense, and we got to remember who's the mouse in this house, y'all. The mouse in the house is the enemy. The mouse in the house is the enemy because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I can post him up and I can be like, mouse in the house. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. Sometimes we can forget that. And if there's any parent here, sometimes... If you see your child struggling in his sports game, the thing that he finds most motivation from is nothing else than your face. He can feel like, I've struck out. I've missed all my shots. But you want to make sure that your child sees your face and you say, you go get him. Come on, girl, get, swing again. Come on, you you could do it again. Shoot again. You got this. And I've grown up in church all my life, and something that's always been told to me is seek the face of God. Has anybody ever heard that? We need to seek his face. But if you're like me, sometimes when I first heard that, I was like, what does that mean? What does it mean to seek his face? Am I seeking the brightness of his face? Am I seeking the glory of his face? sometimes we find our motivation from his face. I can tell you that there's a story in Luke chapter 22, verse 60 through 62. And it talks about one of Jesus's first followers, the leader of his secret service, the man that was the co-captain of his posse, that was Peter. Peter was an incredible man. Why was Peter incredible? Dude, this brother walked on water. It's dope. If you've ever tried it and you failed it, you're not alone. Peter still holds the title for that. But Peter didn't just walk on water. Peter was told that upon him, Christ would build his church. But one night, the disciples are all together, and they're hanging out, and it's their last dinner with Jesus. And at this last dinner with Jesus, Jesus looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, I want to let you know that you're going to deny me three times after this dinner. Once the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And Peter says, you better stop it, Jesus. I will never deny you. I will never do that. I will never go there. I will never think that. 
Have you ever been there? Where you've told the Lord, you've made promises. God, I promise I'll never do that. God, I promise I won't go back there. And you found yourself going back to the very thing that you told him that you would never do. You're not alone. But the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, that after Peter had denied him the final time, Jesus so happens to show up and he looks at Peter and the Bible says that when he looks at Peter, Peter remembers what Jesus had told him. And when he remembers, he runs away weeping bitterly and passionately. What did he remember? Did he remember what Jesus told him? That upon him, Christ would build his church? Did he remember the moments that he had with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? Did he remember when he saw Jesus heal the sick and the blind? Did he remember when Jesus told him, you will deny me three times? Here's my thing. If Peter looked at Jesus and then he left weeping, I don't think that he saw a face of disappointment in Christ because if Christ told him that he was going to do what he was going to do before he did it, how could he be disappointed? I believe and I propose to you today that when Jesus looked at Peter and Peter gazed upon the countenance of Christ, he saw love in the midst of his failure. He saw a countenance and he saw a face that still said, I love you still. And I think that's where we draw our motivation from as believers when the Holy Spirit reminds us to seek his face. Because it's in his face that we find our approval. It's in his face where we find the one that says, well done. But Lord, I messed up. But Lord, I did it again. But Lord, I failed. I went back to the very thing that I said I wouldn't do. Jesus says, look at me. You're forgiven. Go sin no more. Spirit reminds you of who Jesus is. How can you say that, Josh? Look at John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26 says, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will help you. He will help you. He will help you everything that I 
have told you. The Holy Spirit is going to remind you how Jesus feels about you. The Holy Spirit is going to remind you that his love covers a multitude of your wrongs. The Holy Spirit is going to remind you that his grace is for you. But man, is this all about grace? Is this just a message of grace? Guess what? When grace comes into your life, it empowers you. It empowers you to not say, man, I don't get to do those things anymore. It empowers you to say, I have the ability not to do those things anymore. I have the choice not to do those things anymore because grace empowers you. It is for you. So Jesus wants you to listen to the Holy Spirit this morning and remind you that he loves you. Come on. You remember when you were young and you had a relationship and things were kind of like iffy in that relationship, but you had a best friend and that best friend would speak to your significant other and then your, that significant other would tell your best friend what to tell you. And then that person would tell you, hey, I just want to let you know she still loves you. And you're like, are you serious? And you're like, yes, she told me she still loves you. He still loves you. And you're like, oh my gosh, thank you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He reminds you he still loves you. He reminds you he's still for you. He reminds you that you still have a purpose. You still have a destiny. Maybe you feel like, man, this month of May, I feel gray. I feel like the weather outside. Can you allow the Holy Spirit to allow you to reconnect and bring life into your bones again? I want you to stand up right now. We're going to get ready to sing this song, Remember Love, Remember Mercy once again. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to remember. We're going to remember. And we're going to say, Jesus. I don't just need you one day. I don't just need you sometimes. I need you all the time. I need you more than I did yesterday. I'm going to look at your face once again, and I'm going to be reminded that I need you. You are what I need. You're the only one that's going to get me through this situation. You're the only one that's going to get me through this trial. You're the only one that's going to see me through this storm. I need you. If you're with me on that, why don't you lift your hands? Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us, amen at journeyorl.com, where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.